and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor. I want to give you a big warm welcome wherever you are in all of this great big sunburnt land of ours to our program today, Hunty. Oh, he caught me on the hob. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? With my camera. <laughs> you're, in, you're, you're in the studio. Uh, we're just starting our program, mate. <laughs> yep. Um, how you doing? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Yeah, going, going real well. It's a beautiful day out there. It truly is one of those beautiful, beautiful autumn days. But I'll tell you something, it is genuinely, and it is a bona fide cold one. I went to the pool this morning and it said zero degrees when I got to the pool. What were you doing in the pool? You know, exercising, dieting. Are you still uh, exercising? Barely missed a day since early March. I thought you might have given up on that by now. Well, if anything was going to cause me to give up at zero degrees, mate. So you should wet swimmers. You should have gone from about 155 kilo down to what? <laughs> You're not going to play. Let me that. zoom in on you even closer. <laughs> I don't care. You're not going to play that hey, game. Move are your you? water bottle a tiny bit to the. I'll put your water bottle on the floor. No, the water bottle's got to start there because this is a radio show. <laughs> it's not a television show. We are glad you are here we now. So look, are. right from the start, if you've got a question for the Aussie pastor, yes. Hunty. Yes, we'd love you to send them in to us. And you can do that one of two ways. You can text them to us on 0488880851 or you can email them to us and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. I wonder whether you know any of that off by heart yet. Every now and again I'm going to ask you that. Have you learnt those numbers off by heart? Um, I'm pretty sure I know the email address off by heart. (laughs) (laughs) You see, listeners, as you get older, your mind tends to wander a little bit, and it's not as sharp as it once. It's full, is it? (laughs) Yeah, it's full. So if you're a computer, you need reformatting. (laughs) Every new fact that goes in there pushes an old fact out. (laughs) We've got a good program today. Um, We've got Robbie Bergen coming on, and we are looking. I've been reading a book. It's called, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you what it's called at the moment, or shall I? No. The Return of the Gods. Cool. Yeah, it's about how the ancient gods of the ancient civilizations are making a comeback here in our modern civilization. It might seem a bit weird, a bit strange. It's not. It is just incredible stuff. And we're going to talk with Robbie um, about not just the book, really. We're going to talk about the subject of the book. Uh, which is really the return of these ancient gods into our modern civilizations. Kind of a bit scary, a bit sobering, but it's good to know that the key to overcoming these ancient gods still remains Jesus. So looking forward to talking to Robbie. We've mm-hmm. got a few mm-hmm. other really good, we've got a good video we're going to share, Hunty. Do you remember what that was about? Yes, this is very cool, very interesting. It's to do with the um, the Muslims who are finding Jesus. Yeah, it's incredible, really. Um this day is May the 23rd. Anything special happened to you on this day in history, Hunty? Well, no, but yesterday is my daughter's birthday, and I rang her last night to say happy birthday. She said, Dad, I'm in Bali. So, <laughs> and you didn't have a clue, did you? Not a clue. Uh, just so you know, his daughter's long left home and is an adult. And Absolutely. So hasn't skipped out. Dare, dare I say she's, I think, 30, over 30? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Hunty's headed to 70, so <laughs> praise the Lord for good long life, eh, Hunty? That's it. Um, let me tell you a few... I'm not 70. 
<laughs> no, six, I'm not even 60. 68, sorry. Um, this day in history, May 23, 1568, the Netherlands declared independence from Spain. So I don't know whether this is happy Dutch Holland Netherlands Day, but if it is, happy Independence Day. Mm. That was in 1568, 1701. This guy, Captain William Kidd, he was a pirate. You've probably heard of him, Hunty, somewhere in the... Nope. Come on. Nope. He's in stories all over the place. <laughs> Well, he was a pirate. He was executed for piracy and the murder of William Moore on this day in 1701. 1785, Benjamin Franklin invented something that you use every day. Take a guess, Andrew Hunt. Could it be electricity? No, bifocals. I've got some on right now. You have. Hunty wouldn't be able to see without them. I'm supposed to wear them. I've got this theory that if I don't wear my glasses, my eyes won't weaken. Is there any... Is that an old wives' tale? No, I've, I've actually... I've only put these on in the last six months. I've made my eyes strained for the last 58 years. My optometrist said the longer you leave putting the glasses on, the stronger your eyes okay, will be. Okay, so I'm doing pretty well. 1788, yeah. South Carolina joins the Union of the United States of America. That was a good move, South Carolina. Big one, 1863. What happened, Andrew Hunt? This is a big one. I mentioned it on Sabbath in our church. Could this be the start of our church? It was. The organisation today, 160 years ago, the Seventh-day Adventist Church organised as a, officially as a church. So there you go. Happy birthday to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm. We're 160 years old. But even that's a bit uh, not, not really true. We would like to say that we trace our roots right back to the Church of the Apostles that Jesus himself set up. Oh, yeah. And I suppose most Protestant churches would claim that and a few others in the, uh, as well. Um, this one I found interesting, 1873, on this day, May 23, postcards sold in San Francisco for the first time. Do you send postcards anymore, Hunty? I don't think I've ever sent a postcard in my entire life. <laughs> maybe I sent one to my parents when I was maybe 19. I don't reckon I have either. <laughs> it's, it, but that's just sheer laziness or d- should care more. Um, my auntie used to send us a postcard once a month when she lived in England, and we as kids used to look forward to those postcards. She passed away a year or so Was there back. five bucks attached to the back of it? No, but she did always send us money for our birthdays. Cool. 1903, I like this. The first car trip leaves San Francisco to go right across the continental United States of America to New York. So it leaves on May 23. Guess how long it took them, Hunty? Well, you and I, we drove across there in about in about a week once, didn't we? <laughs> that was not me. That was someone else. <laughs> oh. Furthest I've got across America view is the Grand Canyon. Oh. By then I'd had enough and I turned around, <laughs> went back to LA and went home. Cool. Uh, nah, look, uh, what do you reckon it took them? Oh, maybe a year? No, 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 it didn't. It took them three months and three days. They arrived on July the 26th. Wow. That would have been a great trip. I wonder they, where'd they get the fuel from, I wonder. They wouldn't have been any gas stations or petrol stations along the way. I have no idea. I mm. didn't look into it that hard. 1934, Bonnie and Clyde, you know who they were? Yeah, famous um, bank robbers, yeah, I think. They were killed on this day. Oh. They, they lived a riotous. I don't think it's a good life. They no. were violent, they were dangerous, they were extreme, and they were murderers. I think so. I've seen their car. But yeah, maybe. Is it in a museum somewhere? Yeah, full of bullet holes. Mm. Yeah, well, they got shot today and left this world. 1940, the first dogfight between Spitfires and Germans on this day, and you can be sure the Germans are. Uh, Rue the day the Spitfire was ever brought out, and it's one of the reasons that we live in freedom today. That was a mighty plane, Hunty. Hmm. 1951, I reckon this is a sad one. Tibet was the next by China on this day, May 23. That, that makes me sad. 
1960, the Israelis captured Adolf Eichmann. Have you ever heard of him? Mm. One of the most brutal, awful Nazi extremists of World War II. They got him in South America, took him back to Israel, put him up for trial. They ended up executing him. I'm not for the death penalty, but I guess if anyone had ever deserved the death penalty, it would have been that murderer. Mm. Responsible for not thousands, not hundreds, not thousands, not tens of thousands, but the deaths of millions of Jews. And in 1984, this is the last one about what happened today, and then we'll look at some birthdays and deaths. Indiana and the Temple of Doom opened 1984. I remember that movie. Do you, do you, I suppose you haven't seen it because um, you don't I, watch movies. I certainly didn't see it back when it came out. It was larger than life. Uh, birthdays, John Newcomb turned 78. He's a great Aussie tennis player. Drew Carey. Oh, I like Drew Carey. 64. Jewel, the singer. 48, and Joan Collins. Guess how old she is? I didn't even know she was still alive. Um, a million? <laughs> you're not that far behind her, son. 89. Now, you're hitting 70, so you're not that far behind. You're closer to 70 than you are 50, true? Uh, yes. Yeah, because you can't sadly. go back. Mm. Deaths. Uh, Heinrich Himmler, another murdering Nazi. It seems to be a bit of a Nazi day. He died age 44 only in 1945. Just the most awful person. And Roger Moore. Oh. He was 90 when he died this day in 2017. So there you go, Hunty. That's this day in history. Nice. Would you like to say a prayer to open the program? I certainly will. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, again, we come humbly before you this afternoon when we're about to open your Holy Scriptures, Lord. And I pray for a special blessing for my mate Lloyd as he's the conduit that brings the scriptures to life, Lord. I also pray for all of our listeners in this great country, Lord, and whoever's listening to us, I pray that you'll grant them peace and blessings and wrap your loving arms around them, Lord. So thank you for this great chance this afternoon. In your precious name I pray. Amen. We'll get there. It's coming. It's coming. Why isn't it going? It won't go. It won't go. I know why it won't go. Oh, well, that was a sting, people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, while Hunty works the sting out, is it too early to introduce the first song? It might be. Let me just let's just see if the first song even runs. <laughs> this could be a major. Well, it'd be a, actually this would be a major disaster for me because it mean I have to talk more, and I don't want to do this that. This is a major disaster. What can I do? We're not going to have try a little bit of kindness. No, no, I have no music working. All right. Um, I'm not sure where we're going to go from here. I'm looking for directions. Does that mean everything's down? That means every single thing we have loaded isn't working. Okay, now I'm going to set Hunty loose. Yeah, and he's okay. going to go and do that. I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to look at these news stories by myself, which I'm not looking forward to doing. But is there, is, can this be fixed quick or is this yeah, going to be fixed? In 30 seconds. He's up. If, if you're watching, you know what? On live radio, it's always interesting times because it never, ever works how it's supposed to. So <laughs> if you're watching us on the live stream on the Faith FM Facebook page, you'll see Hunty wandering around the studio here. Um, shall I wait and just natter yes, on? No, I reckon, no, I reckon I've got it started. You know what? While he's doing that, I'll tell you that tonight, and this is a Tuesday, if you're listening to this live, which is Tuesday, May 23. At the moment, it's 3.44pm. Tonight at 7 o'clock, coming direct out of this studio on our Facebook and YouTube pages. That's the Aussie Pastor pages. We've got a guy called John Lomacang from the United States of America. He's a fabulous singer, and he's an on-fire, red-hot, red-hot preacher. 
And we've got him over here for a revival. We had him at our church on this last Saturday, the church Little New Hope, which really only fits 150, 200 people. We had 300 people squashed in there. There was singing. There was rejoicing. It's rejoicing. It's a revival. And John Lomacang was there and he preached the house down. I watched the people. It wasn't that short a worship service and I watched the people because I'm the pastor there. So you're a little bit sensitive about this. Everybody was just riveted as he preached the house down. And tonight he continues the revival live from this studio. Now, if you wanted to join us, all you got to do is go to the, go on Facebook to Aussie Pastor Facebook and it'll be live on Facebook. And or if you're not on Facebook, don't blame me if you're not. Not a great lover of Facebook myself. In fact, I can tell you right now, if I never had a ministry, I wouldn't be within 100 miles of Facebook, but that's okay. If you're not on Facebook, go to YouTube, the Aussie Pastor YouTube page easy to find and you'll be able to watch it live and i'll tell you i guarantee if you down if you download if you join us tonight you are going to be blessed you are going to be blessed big time now by the way if you're listening to this down the road so because we repeat these programs on faith fm god bless faith fm you can still go to the aussie pastor facebook or youtube page and can watch them later on they'll be sitting there you find them pretty easy this is going to be a good series now my heart is in my mouth i'm running out of things to say Real fast here, Hunty, and I'm wondering whether you're ready to go or not. I, I'm got to be getting close. He's got to be getting close. How, how so, disastrous! Let me so see what's going on now. He's got the video countdown timer up. So, hey, first song, here it is. Here we go. Try it. If you see your brother standing by the road with a heavy load. And if you see your sister falling by the way, just stop and say, you're going the wrong way.
There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had me confused. We're, had me confused there for a second. <laughs> uh, I, I just I was on mute. Yes, you hadn't. You had taken your cough button off. You're the one who does the mute button, though. Remember? No, no, it's your mute button today, bud. <laughs> That's news to me. It's a little button on your desk. That's news to me. No, I told you when we got here, I said, there's your mute button. Hunties. Okay, we're going to argue about that we, later. We're definitely arguing, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, sorry about that before, folks. Yes, it does happen. It does happen. Um, timer for the news, Hunty. It's running. Yep. Mm. Um, it does happen. Um, we, To be fair on Hunty, he's been here since... The, the fix was quite simple. I just turned it off and turned it on again. Well, why does it do that? Oh, goodness no. That, that computer's never crashed on us before. Anyway, news. Indeed. The US to run out of money. How terrible is that? Uh, they're not going to. I don't think they're going to. What happens, this happens all the time. The American economy, actually, I think America is broke. Yeah. It's, bro- uh, it's broken. Yeah, it's mm. broke and broken. Yeah. And what I mean by that is they just keep, they just keep living off increased borrowings. And they set, by law, a certain banking Ceiling, in other words, debt ceiling, and they're not allowed to go above that de- debt ceiling without a vote. Now, if they don't go above that debt ceiling, if they don't have this vote, they actually go broke. Can't pay their defence, can't pay their government officials, can't pay their schools, can't pay anybody who's got anything to do with the federal government. But what happens, whether it's the Democrats that are in government or whether it's the Republicans, they seem to love um, using it as a bargaining chip. So the opposition, which at the moment is Republicans, will demand things from the Democrats before they'll vote through this debt ceiling to a higher level. Now, they're in debt billions and billions of trillions. dollars. $1.7 I think. And if they don't put it through, what happens? Well, the whole country closes down, and when America closes well, down, the entire world economy closes in, down. Initially, it's the federal wages don't get paid, so that soldiers, national park workers, they're, they're the first people that don't get, it, don't get it their um, income. But really, it stems from the fact that they're spending more than they're earning. Well, look, I, I'd like to know where they get the money from. <laughs> well, the, ta- the taxes are collected, and then they spend more than they collect no, no, in taxes. No, 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 not that. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to know where they get the money from when they take more money for uh, as a loan. Well, um, yeah, exactly. It'd be very interesting. Mm. Uh, and sometimes they just print money too. Yeah, although they're, they're lifting the debt ceiling. So if you're lifting the debt ceiling, you owe it to somebody. Mm. Maybe we can get somebody in to explain that to us sometime. I'd be very, very interested. Uh, this one's right down your alley, Hunty, and I'm yes. going to open it up to you. Thanks. Meta was fined one something billion dollars. Yes. By, let me explain as I understand it. I'm going to let you take this over. They were fined for collecting names and information in Europe. So they've been fined by the Europeans. Probably by the EC. So they're collecting information and they're sending it back to the United States, probably for advertising or for all sorts of other things. Have I got that right? And because they do that, and it's against the law, they've copped a $1.2 billion fine. So, yeah, that's pretty much true. What the deal is, and there are thousands of companies in the US that are, that are working in Europe that do collect name and address and contact details so they can send them parcels or whatever. And there are thousands of companies that do collect data and they take it to the data centres in the US. But what Meta's done, it's taken the data and there was a guy in, I think it was Austria, his name's Max, and he found his information that he knew he'd only given to, to Facebook and Meta. He found it on a server of one of the companies he was working for, which clearly points to the fact that uh, Facebook and Meta are selling your data to other companies for the purpose of market research and advertising. And that's what they are opposed to. 
is no, confidential data being being sold off, and that's what they've been up to. They've been selling off people's information. It doesn't bother me when companies do that to me. I don't care. In some ways, I actually like to have advertising designed to reach me that I'm interested in. Does that make sense, Hunter? Sure. Yeah. So I, I is there like a reason I should care about this or not? There probably is, but but yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I would much rather ads on my screen. If I'm going to have to have ads, much rather have ads that, that suit what I'm after. <laughs> it always interests me when I look up something when I Google it. Say I might Google. Uh, uh, we just went on a boat cruise for f- <laughs> five days. That costs us. I'm going to, have to say it around two hundred bucks. Nice. Yeah, amazing. But as soon as I started looking, well, Liska, I found it, but then I went, I got an interest and looked at what cruises cost. All of a sudden, I got all these ads on Facebook and Google and that, Hunty, yeah. that, <laughs> that direct me to boat, uh, boat cruises. Yep. I love to look. I have a dream of going off on a sailboat. Every oh, time I nice. go, yeah, I do. I, nice. Man, if, if I wasn't called to do the work of God, I would sell up everything I have by a 60-foot sailboat and go. But that's not going to happen in this earth. Maybe in another time, in another world, when the Lord comes and I don't have the responsibilities as many of us do. Um, but as soon as I start to look at used boats, which I do all the time, all these ads come up, man. So, But the Europeans don't like it. They love their privacy. 1.2 billion. Can Facebook pay for that? I'd say Facebook could pay for that quite easily. So not a big deal? Not a big deal for them. Just a slap on the wrist? Oh, no, that's going to sting. It'll, it'll cost them with their share price, and their stock market will probably fluctuate badly for that. Their stock price? Stock price, sorry, yeah. Okay. And this last news story, Russian uprising against Putin. Did you know it seems that on the border of Ukraine and Russia, a little uprising has started from Russians against Putin, and it's an armed uprising, mm. and they claim that mm. they've freed a village. Yeah, it seems to me there's some, some Russian citizens who are not happy with what's going on in the Ukraine, and so it's kind of an internal terrorism. I, I think they're not happy with what's going on in Russia. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's the Ukraine that's bothering them. Yep. Maybe they're using the war with Ukraine as a, a reason, t- you know, to begin a rebellion. You've got to think that rebellion like that in Russia is not going to go too far up mm-hmm. against the great Russian military. Um you don't know, but Ukraine, Russia, that war, everything that's going on, there just keeps grinding on. And it's but part of the reason America's so broke, they sent them billions of dollars uh, in materials and, and military aid. Not so sure about that. I did I, some research. Yeah, I, I think I'd question the research. <laughs> <laughs> Something else we can argue about after. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I don't think uh, the money America's putting into Russia and that Russian war is breaking them. They've got other. Apparently, apparently, it's billions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is billions, but I think there's other issues that gotcha. are taken. I reckon we should get someone on to talk to us about yeah. the American economy and yep. what is going on over there, because there's no doubt the American economy leads the world, and if it goes down, the whole world will be in trouble. But there's one thing I do know, Auntie. Uh, when you see some of these things happening, uh, if America ran out of money, oh wow! Mm. Uh, when you see big companies. Is it wrong to say acting immorally? Am I being too harsh there? Uh, possibly n- not as immoral as it is dis- dishonest. Uh, yeah, I guess that's immoral. <laughs> 
And, and when you see wars breaking out, I mean, with the very fabric of... And it is a great nation, Russia. I don't support what they're doing in, in Ukraine at all, but it is one of the world's great nations. When you see it threatening to fragment with internal... not We're not talking external uh, war with Ukraine. When internal rebellions rise up, where Russians are fighting against Russians, I, I mean, make you shake your head mm. and look up, Hunty, because yep. surely as we look up, tells us that Jesus is coming soon. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You don't know how happy I am to hear that sound. Oh, me too. Push the button on the I'm thinking, and I was like, crossed all my fingers, let's go. Was your heart in your mouth there? Just a little bit, yes. <laughs> I grew up on this music from Maranatha Singers. Maranatha Singers, they're another group coming out of the United States of America. A ministry, really. They sing beautiful songs. This song, Blessed Be the Lord God. I actually try, Hunty, when we're selecting, the, when I'm selecting the music. You got fired from that, didn't you? I did. Mm. I love to dwell on that. But you know, you know what, listeners? I've been fired for less contemporary music than others play. <laughs> well, I don't think you're fired for contemporary music. <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting a year to say that. Did nothing, you know that? There's nothing wrong with contemporary music. It's your selection of music. No one liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I got some supporters. There's some people that emailed and said they liked my music. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure we're going to get an avalanche off them with emails again right now. <laughs> oh, I, I, choose, I try to choose the, sometimes, Hunty, the music that we play in church because yep. I think it's a good idea for our listeners, especially if you don't go to church. Now, now this is not the music every church, not even every Adventist church plays, but the sort of music we play at New Hope. In fact, we sing this song a fair bit, and it's a beautiful song. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty. It's a good song, isn't it, Hunter? It is a good song. Hope you enjoy it. We love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises as your people declare your mighty words. Blessed be the Lord God
Nice song. Beautiful. Notice that you did the the um do you notice, Hunty, that you did the muting there? Not me? Oh, or did so we not mute? No, I mute I was double mute. Yeah, you muted. I then. never I never trust you to mute, so I always mute you as well. There you go, listeners, it was never my job to mute. Bingo, big win. Ah, but here's why you lose. If it's not your job to mute, why did you have your button down? I didn't. I can't I, s- I can't change your button from I, here. I never touched the button. I hadn't even thought about it. You know me. You know me. I wander <laughs> off, mate, with the fairies. Well, I don't know. Maybe, what's... maybe it's a grid mix. I can't. I can't touch your button from where I'm yeah, sitting. Yeah, no. I, how I, funny is that? The, what I did is I saw it was on mute, and I hit green. Eventually, that's how I came back on. But yeah, I well, did... I, I can't mute it from here. So, well, I, look, interesting. Interesting. Yes. Well, don't you love it? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> this is Hunty and Lloyd. And, uh, bam, bam. I was so happy. And scratchy. I was so happy to hear that. <laughs> anyway, look, um, we're going to listen to a video now that I found. Um, one of the things I noticed with our ministry, uh, with our, we've got close, we've got over fifty thousand people on our Facebook pages, mm, and mm, mm. We, we don't do so very good on YouTube. I've been thinking about that. We've got 1,130, I think, or 34. We're not doing well on YouTube. So if you're, if you're a YouTuber, go to Aussie Pastor and like it. You like yeah, it. like and subscribe. Yeah, like and subscribe yeah, to our good. YouTube yeah. channel because it's not going real well, to be no. honest, which makes me very sad because I'm a great YouTube fan. But anyway, one of the things I noticed, Hunty, is that our – Ministry and the programs we run penetrate deep into the Eastern world. Mm, many of them. And probably 90% of the messages I get back, people wanting to talk, are Muslim. Yep. They're amazing people. Uh, beautiful people, really. Um, they love the truth. They search for truth. They seek truth. And I'm interested that Jesus is, and I'm talking about Jesus the Messiah. I'm talking about Jesus who is God. I'm amazed at the impact Jesus is having on Islam by himself without ministries like ours. He's doing it himself. Listen to this man share his testimony. I think you find it very, very, I did, very fascinating. Thanks, Hunty. I want to talk about a remarkable phenomenon that is going on in uh, Asia. Um, and Africa, namely the large-scale conversion of Muslims to Christianity. Historically, this is uh, completely unprecedented. Historically, it's very difficult, and very few people have converted out of Islam. There are a couple of exceptions to that rule, but in general, well, we know that Islam doesn't like uh, people to convert out. In fact, if you think of the old uh, line about the Hotel California, you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. That applies to Islam. You can't leave. Uh, and you can't leave to become an atheist, and you can't leave to become a member of another religion. In both cases, it's considered not just losing your faith, but apostasy, betraying the Muslim people. And it's been punishable by imprisonment or beatings, or in some cases, even death. Remember, for example, the uh, fatwa that was put on Salman Rushdie, the writer, because he was seen as a sort of apostate uh, to Islam. So this uh, strategy of making it difficult, if not impossible, to convert out has uh, historically stopped Muslims from doing it. And um, there, as I say, are a few exceptions to this rule. In 16th century Spain, 
once uh, Catholic monarchs got a hold of Spain, they um, they established preferential treatment for Catholics, and they essentially expelled the Moors, the Muslims, from Spain. Now, there were some Muslims at that time who converted to Christianity in order to be able to stay in Spain, but that's that's an historical exception. Um, even as late as the 1980s, a, a missionary uh, wrote a book called uh, Ten Muslims Meet Christ. And while the book focused on 10 Muslim converts, uh, it was very clear from the book itself that this is extremely rare. It's really hard to get a Muslim convert. So like, I found 10. Let me tell you about their stories. But now, interestingly, in many countries, not just in one particular place, in Algeria, in Albania, in Syria, in Kurdistan, in Egypt, you have Muslims uh, converting to Christianity. In fact, they're converting to Christianity in such numbers that there's even a name for them. It's They're called MBBs. Pastors call them MBBs, meaning Muslim background believers. Believers, Christian believers who come from a Muslim uh, background. Uh, how many converts? No one knows exactly for sure. But from the Muslim side, you have had complaints uh, there was a complaint um, by a guy on Al Jazeera who said that by his count, six million Muslims are converting to Christianity each year. Think about that. That's a huge number. Uh, traditionally, uh, Muslims have gained uh, forces by conquering. Uh, so they don't really uh, convert people to Islam really by persuasion either. They use force. But as I say, very few people convert out. But now that's happening. Now, one of the most, uh, why is it happening? Well, one reason it's happening is that people are rebelling. Muslims are rebelling against radical Islam. Uh, one pastor in Egypt apparently said that the Islamist, the Muslim Brotherhood President Mohammed Morsi was, quote, the great evangelist. Why? Because the extremism of his policies told a lot of Muslims, wow, this guy's crazy. You know, I don't want to be part of any religion that he's part of. So that's part of the reason for the conversion. But the fact that it's happening in so many different places shows that that's not the only reason. Now, Interestingly, when you talk to Christian pastors, and I'm referring here to a very interesting article that quotes a number of these pastors, they claim that the reason that Muslims convert, or at least a substantial number of them convert, is that they have dreams and visions of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a little bit far out, but apparently an Iranian convert, this guy's fairly typical, he said, quote, many people are having dreams and visions about a shining man dressed in white, telling them about Jesus. The leader of a Presbyterian church in Pakistan said that there were some Afghan uh, imams who traveled hundreds of miles to study the Bible. And when he was asked, well, why are they doing that? He goes, quote, dreams. Christ appeared to them in their sleep. Um, and then um, a Colorado pastor who conducts classes in Arabic via the radio and the internet, he goes, virtually all my students came following dreams, following dreams. There's a missionary named Michael uh, Stallwork, and he is a missionary in Frankfurt. And he said a veiled woman came up to him. He thought it was a beggar. He was about to give her money. But she goes, are, are you the imam? And uh, he said, well, I'm not an imam, but I am the pastor of this church. And she said, uh, well, in that case, you are the right man. God has commanded me in a dream to go to the big church on the market square and ask for the imam, meaning the priest, to tell me the truth. So I think what I find fascinating about all this is that 
These people who are having dreams. Now, Christ is a prophet in Islam. He's called Isa. But interestingly, in these dreams, these Muslims are getting the clear idea that it's not Isa, uh, that it's in fact the Christian Christ that they need to be following and following through the mechanism of the Christian Bible and the Christian church. It's a little bit hard to know what to make about this, but I think it's thrilling for us as Christians to see that Muslims, who are the hardest people in the world to convert, Muslim Islam hasn't really lost the force of its original uh, revelation. I don't entirely know what to make about these strange visitations and dreams, but they seem to be real enough to the people who have them to suggest at least the possibility that God is doing some remarkable work in the world through Muslims pointing them to Christianity. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I believe it, hunty. I believe it. Wow. I believe that God, because I'm having people write to me and talk to me about it, is giving people dreams in nations that Christianity can't get into. And it's an amazing thing when someone comes to you and says, God gave, someone came to our church like this, Hunty. Mm-hmm. God gave me a dream and told me that I was to come to this church to learn about Jesus. Wow. And so Jesus is going to his people himself. When I say his people, he knows whose hearts are open and whose aren't. And he's going, he's going across borders. He's crossing religious and denominational boundaries. Uh, you can't persecute him. You can't get to him. He goes to whoever he wants and talks to whoever he wants. And it's not thousands. Millions are coming to Christ from Islam. Mm. And we are seeing it in our tiny little itty-bitty ministry, Hunty. Yeah. And it is quite amazing. We are. We are. Yeah. Um, if you've, we've got some questions coming in. Just one more run for that, Hunty. Sure. If you'd like to. Um, we have some great questions coming in. Yeah, we in. do. But G- if you'd like to send us a question, there's still opportunity. Yep. You can send it to us one of two ways. You can either text it to us on 0488 880851, or you can email them to us, com. Do you know why people come to Jesus above all else, Hunty? Peace. What do you reckon? Peace. I think that's part of it. Eternal life. Because they are loved by Christ. Whenever you talk to people, the one thing that motivates them to follow him is when they sense and feel and experience his love. Mm-hmm. And that's what's drawn these people to Jesus, and that's what this song is about. I've never heard this song before, Hunty. I don't know whether you know it from Torrin Wells. Fully known and loved by you. It's a beautiful song.
pursuing It's so like me to go astray Your truth, the kind of love that's bulletproof, and I surrender to your kindness. Oh, oh, oh I'm fully known and loved by you. You wanna go home, no matter what I do, and it's not one or the other. It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known, fully known. That song, Hunty. Yeah. Fully known and loved by Jesus. I don't know whether do you ever do this? I just sometimes I just stop, sit down and think about how much God knows me and yet he still loves me. Yeah, that amazes me. People get surprised when I say I'm a pastor and I look back on my life and I'm disappointed. I'm so disappointed in things I've done and failures I've had. Mm. And it's not even fake when I say this. I look back on my life, I wish I could change so many things and I can't. And God knows all that, and he knows me deeply, and he knows the hypocrisy that's been in my life at times. And before you're too hard on me, most of us are hypocrites at one level or another. And mm. it, it does sadden the yeah. Lord Jesus when we go into that sort of behavior. But you think he knows it, and he just loves us. He loves us so deep, and it's so real, and it's so strong. And sometimes sometimes it's a, in a worship moment, Jesus will just overcome me. Um mm. Music gets me. Yeah, music can do that. Some, I, I do it in the Bible sometimes. Let's do a Bible study, Hunty. Can yep. we? Have we got time for a little one? We sure do. Uh, I got one in John five. I got this from our preacher on Sabbath. I'm going to preach a sermon on this soon, so I'm practicing on our listeners today. I've got NLT. Is that right? Yeah, I always like NLT. I like cool. NLT, NIV, NKJV. I even like KJV at times. <laughs> well, um, I learned I learned the KJV. My memory text in KJV. Yeah, man, it can be hard to read though, can't it? And for those who know what KJV is, it's King James version. It's old, old Six, English. Do you know when it was first brought out? I, I do. No, I when? 1611. Wow. Yeah, it's a long time ago, man. I like the NKJ, the New King James Version. I can understand it heaps better. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, but I'm, I'm NL, NLT, NIV, RSV, ESV. If it's a Bible, I'll read it. Um, let's get into it, Hunty. It's only okay. a short Bible study. This is Jesus in Jerusalem. 
down by a pool that you and I went to, actually. Yep. A pool, a swimming pool, literally. Okay, mm, mm. verse one, mate. Okay, verse one. Have you got it there? I've got it there. Yeah, five, verse one, yeah? Yep, yep. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Okay, just remember when we went there, Hunter? You I remember? Wish you did some filming there. Yeah, narrow pool, not big, uh, not real nice. No. But no. what happens here is very interesting. Indeed. So crowds of people, crowds of sick people, blind, lame or paralysed, lay on the porches. I love these stories of Jesus. Go on. Mm. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long stop, time. Stop, stop, stop. Stop. Yeah. So this guy is sick and he's down by the pool of yep. Bethesda. Yeah. And then Jesus asked him a question. That's why I wanted to stop you there, Hunty, because I want you, I want our listeners to hear the question go. Well, should we explain what happened at the pool? No, no, not yet. Not yet. Yep. But the reason he was laying at the side no, of the no, pool? No, 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 no. Move okay, on. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, verse 6. When Jesus saw him, he asked him, uh, would you like to get well? Great question. Yes. And if you're not with Jesus today, if you feel far away from him, if your heart is wounded, if you are broken, if you are depressed, if you don't know where to go, Jesus comes to you right now through us on this radio show. Yep. And he asks you, would you like to get well? Don't you like that, Hunty? Love it. My answer, when I heard John Lomach hang on Sabbath preach on this subject, and he brought that, he said, would you like to get well? I almost... Felt a bit Pentecostal. <laughs> Wanted to jump up in the church and say, yes, 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 Lord. Love it. Make me well. Okay, now we'll get to what you wanted to, Hunty. Okay. Verse 7. Verse 7, okay. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there so ahead of me. Here's what's going on. Yep. There is a tradition. Superstition. Maybe. Yeah, a tradition that if you are by that pool, and you can get into it when the water stirs up, whether it was the wind. I don't know whether you noticed hunting when we were there. There was a little brook. Yep. Moving yeah, brook into was feeding that. into it, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's on back then. Sometimes it's not. So they'd open the gate. The water would come in and it would move. They believed that if they could get into the pool first, they'd be healed. Now, I called it a tradition. What did you call it, Hunty? I like your word I was word thinking better. more of like a superstition, Love really. It. Do you think it was true? I personally think it was psychosomatic, but I don't know. You think anybody was ever healed? I believe many people were healed for sure. From, otherwise, getting, from getting into the water. Otherwise, they wouldn't hang around waiting to jump in. Not a chance. No, that's why I said psychosomatic. Not a chance was a single person ever healed, and Jesus knew it. And that's why he comes, and he doesn't say, I'll put you in the water. He says, would you like to be healed? We are hanging around looking for all sorts of ways to be healed, hunty. Yep. We're going here. We're going there. Some of them are good. We're taking this drug. We're taking that drug. We're going to this counsellor. We're going to that psychiatrist. We're going to that church or this place. Now, there can be good things in some of the things I've mentioned. It can be healthy. Yep. But in the end, Jesus cries out to us, would you like to be healed? Forget about the pool. Would you like to be healed? For sure. Notice a guy never said, read verse 7 again, he never said, yes, I do. What does he say? I can't, so the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. Do you think that he knew that Jesus was going around healing people in Jerusalem? I doubt. He had to have, bro. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> he had to have. How can you live in Jerusalem when Jesus is raising the dead? 
Raising the dead in Jerusalem hunting. Wow, that's a good thought. When people are being healed of leprosy and blindness and they jumping up out of their wheelchairs, if they had wheelchairs, yep, yep. their beds and walking. And this guy, he's got the great healer before him. He says, oh, there's no one to put me in the water, mm. which was a fantasy. Mm. But Jesus had come to heal him. What happens, verse 8? Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Yep. Verse 9. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on Sabbath. Good story, this one. Great story. It's a Sabbath miracle. Yeah. Best time to have a, a miracle. Jesus heals him. And Jesus wants to heal you. But you've got to answer that simple question. Do you want to be healed? If you do, ask him. Tell him you want to be healed. Here's a guarantee. He will come. God will make a way Where there seems to be no way He works in ways we cannot see He will make a way for me He will be my guide Hold me closely to the sun With love and strength for each new day He will make a way We'll make a sing it together. Oh God, we'll make a twist and sing where there seems to be no way. That's right. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my God. Hold me closely to the 
That's Don Moen. Yep. And that's a beautiful song. And it is true. Jesus made a way for the man by the pool of Bethesda. I'm going to preach on that, Hunty. Yep. That is definitely, that is a sermon. Co- man, I've got a lot of stuff teaming out of me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, stuff I want to preach. I don't have enough sermons yeah. uh, at church. Maybe I'm going to have to start preaching some sermons from in here, I think. That's it. Um, I just... I, I never meant right at the beginning, and I just want to say right at the beginning of this program when we went down, I never meant to talk too much about this revival because I had this slot here. <laughs> um, Hunty has been here since what eight o'clock this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get o'clock. this, to get this yep. working, and it didn't. Oh, plus I've also been preparing for tonight's live broadcast. Yeah, yeah. But mm. these things happen live. Um, yeah, they do. It's just yep. I was saying to Andrew when we retire one day, we'll look back and laugh on these things. But it's hard to laugh when it's happening. And well, the first thing I looked at was, is my cash converted? interface is that dead no then i changed the cable is that dead no so okay let's just turn it off and turn it back on again so i restarted it came back alive i want to invite you though one more time if you're in northwest sydney to come to new hope this saturday to hear john loma kang from the united states he, he was a singer with the heritage singers indeed you? you've known him absolutely for a long, yeah you've known him for a long time very blessed to have toured with him in the early 80s and made some videos yeah, and a beautiful singer. He's a fantastic singer and a great preacher. So he's going to preach at 11 o'clock or thereabouts. At Four Samuel Place, Quakers Hill behind the alley. And then if you stay for lunch, uh, after lunch, at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock we have a concert. And it'll be just him alone, won't it? Correct, just him. Yeah. And he's band in a box. Hey, I might be putting you on the edge here, but are we going to live stream that or is that not confirmed yet? I'd say we can confirm it now if you like. And what is it, yes or no? Let's say yes. Oh, okay. I thought there might be uh, copyright issues. No, I, I talked to him about his tracks. They're good. Okay, so we're going to live stream. But it's always better live, isn't it? Oh, yeah. If you can get to Quakers Hill, by all means, please come. You'll be blessed. I, I will warn you, though, that if you're going to come, come early. How's that, Hunter? Yeah, get a for seat? sure. For because sure. Last week we were pretty full last week. Well, you couldn't get... There wasn't one single spare chair. We couldn't get another person in. I reckon there's about 300 there. I think that's a church... That, Normally only takes about 220 comfortably, Hunty, so it was nice and cosy, and the singing was fantastic. It was. The worship was good, and the preaching was superb. This guy can preach. He can sing. He's over here with his wife, and I know um, we're going to be blessed. For sure. I've been choosing these songs, Hunty, yep. <laughs> today. All songs that we sing in church. Did you know that? From the beginning to the end, these are all songs that we've nice. sung. In our, yeah. Nice. And this one is being sung by a young fella. His name is Travis. That's how, you know how these guys, like Jewel, you know how she, she has just the one name. Seems this yep. guy's the only uh, way he describes himself as Travis. So I'm taking it. That's who it is. And he has the most pure voice. And this is one song that booms every time. In fact, Hunty, yep. are we singing this song this week? Yes, we are. Very good if we are. We are singing this song in church this week while the offering's been taken up. (laughs) How can I keep from singing your praise from Travis? Pure voice, beautiful song.
song i do too i always like that song great song yeah hey uh have we got robbie on board yet let's have a look we're waiting we're watching we're waiting watching i'm, I'm a bit worried about are you there robbie i am hey. can you guys see or hear me <laughs> yes hey man our technology 
blew up at the start of this program. No, don't tell him that. He's the boss. <laughs> he's not my <laughs> boss. I keep telling don't you, tell Hunter, he's that. your boss, not mine. <laughs> uh, hey, Robbie, have you ever had that happen, live radio? Let me tell you what happened, Robbie. It, the computer that plays yeah. all those video clips and music needed to be restarted just after Lord Gear um, song. <laughs> have you ever had that happen? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we have problems like that all the time, um, especially when you're trying to do live streaming at the same time as live broadcasting. We have problems all the time with that stuff. Um, our producer in Melbourne, he's he's doing good to try and iron out the bugs, but we're testing the new technologies all the time as well. So that it's Yeah, we are too. Consistent. I think this is just a crummy old computer that did us in today, to be honest. No, the computer, the computer is a beautiful computer. If it blew up like that, it's a bomb. No, it didn't blow up. It was just off and it needed to be restarted. I'm blaming the computer. He wants to kill the computer, but the computer does not deserve to die today. <laughs> How old's the computer? Um, 30 years. No, no, this one's only three, maybe four years oh, old. Okay. So that's good. All right. Thanks for joining us, Robbie. Where are you, mate? Hey, my pleasure. I'm in uh, Perth in Western Australia. I'm about probably about 40 kilometres east of Perth up in the mountains at a place called Mamarafa College. It's a oh. uh, training school for Indigenous students. I've lost him, Hunty. I can, oh. I can see my... I, I, I can't see him. Now can I can see him. Yeah, what now, are you seeing now? You're seeing both now? Yeah, I can okay. see both. Cool. I'd like, rather just see him. But no, you can see me now too. You like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> can I just see him? Is that possible? Yeah. Without having to look at myself? Yes. Um, How's that? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we, yeah, can. we can. Can you see him now, okay. Yeah, I can see him. Okay, Beautiful. Hey, it's a, it's a um, fantastic training college, that one for our Indigenous people, isn't it? Yeah, it's this is my first time here, but it's 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 actually quite impressive. There's a, there's a student... Um, they call it a study block happening at the moment with 20 students from all over Australia, all Indigenous. And uh, they go through different aspects of um, mission training, um, public health services, and also Bible courses. Um, but the reason I'm here is because we have just opened our first Faith FM studio here in the West. So I'm actually sitting in this the first program ever broadcast from this uh, studio. Wow, We're going to be nice. partnering with the college here to teach Indigenous people how to use radio and hopefully get content for Faith FM. That's very valuable because they have a story to tell that is unique to them. I look yeah, forward tomorrow, to that. Tomorrow I've got 10 uh, students lined up. They're going to be interviewing... I'll be interviewing them and getting their stories on my, my podcast for next week. So okay. Pretty exciting. From this new studio? Yes. Yep, from here. Wow. Hey, I want to talk about a subject which is in my mind because I've been reading a book. I think you read the same book. It's called, uh, is it called, uh, now I should have written this down, The, Re- the Return, Return of, the of, of the Gods. Yes. Um, okay. I've lost him again. Huh? Yeah. No, I'm going to give you the clock every minute so you can see what's left. Oh, okay. Cool. (laughs) I wonder what's going on here. Every minute you get the clock. And the thesis of this book is the idea that the ancient gods have returned. Well, I don't agree with everything I read in it. Did you? Yeah, no, look, there's some premises there that are not consistent with my worldview from a biblical perspective, but he makes some very, very interesting points that I found really fascinating. Because I'd, I'd argue that the ancient gods, and he's talking about demons, never left. It's just they had to change tactics as each yeah, generation. I, mean, I, I think some of, some of the way he's written, uh, especially in the early chapters, he's like he makes the case that um, Christianity or Jesus coming onto the world scene got rid of or broke the spell of the spirits, which he then you know he terms it as the gods, but he's talking about um, demonic spirits and those yeah, sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And he says that that Christ came along and he through Christianity had expelled them from the main square and pushed them into the shadows. And then he makes his case that in the recent years, 
the the reverse is happening as Christianity is being moved from public space. The uh, the gods and in inverted commas or the spirits are coming back into society, and he makes a really compelling mm, case for some of the arguments. He, in fact, I think there's some truth that when Jesus come came with the apostles, that Christianity stormed across the world, and it did send these ancient gods, spirits, demons, paganism. It did send it into reverse for quite some time. Um, yeah. But it is true that as we are moving further and further out and away from God, that there is a space that they've allowed them to come back in, and they certainly yeah, are starting. They they certainly are starting to have a fairly big impact on our culture, and I think we're seeing that more and more. So I wanted to get you on board, and I wanted to ask you some questions. Now, if we don't get through this today, I'm getting you back. <laughs> this is going to be a, an epic if we get this. We uh, won't get through. Can we get through what, you, what you're proposing? <laughs> because be I, I want to see if we can get you to stay for some questions on Ask the Aussie Pastor. I kind of want to do that today, so we're not going to get through. But let's have a go anyway and see how we go. Is there such a thing as demon possession? Absolutely. From a biblical perspective as a Christian, absolutely. Jesus is uh, the go-to person on this. He teaches very clearly that there is such a thing as demon possession. There are a number of examples in the Bible, uh, the New Testament Gospels, that talk about unique cases where people are what the Bible calls demon-possessed. So, absolutely. This question, that, <laughs> well, this question is not there, but so I, I think I'm going to put it in without notice. What is demon possession? How can I tell if I'm demon-possessed? So, demon possession, if, okay, so, so in, the, in, in Greek, there's a, a very specific term that's used, mm. uh, and I'll probably butcher it, but it's um, demono is ome. You've done better than uh, I could. I knew the term, but I, you've done better than me. And I only knew the term because I read it in the book, but go on. Yeah. So, yeah. That, so this, this term in Greek basically is, is every time you see a picture of a person being possessed, that we would describe as being possessed, like there's the, the boy who throws himself into the fire, there's the, yeah. the young girl who keeps screaming out, there's the there's a lot of these different examples, the guy in the, amongst the tombs, right? So this is the Greek word that's used to describe what we'd call in English demon possession. But what's really interesting is that, because um, your question is like, how do you know if you're possessed or not? Um, there's, there's really two types of this sort of idea. There's... there's is demon possession in English, we would say possession, and the other one is oppression. Mm. And both of them are different, but both yeah. of them can manifest very, very similar. So you can't just go, if you tick all these checklists, then you're possessed. And if you don't check them, then you're not possessed. I think there's, there's, um, there's a, a connection between possession and oppression. So basically the difference is, is that if you're possessed, it means you're no longer in control. Mm. Whereas if you're oppressed, it means that you're being harassed from the outside. You're not um, totally controlled, but you're being harassed by demonic um, aspects. And I guess we probably need to define what a demon actually is from a biblical Well, that, that was my next question. What is a demon? So, if you are looking at... So, we, we've seen this more in the New Testament. There is some, some references in the Old Testament. But a, a demon is essentially, it's an angel that God had created mm -hmm. that has chosen to rebel against God. And we see the, probably the clearest illustration of this is in the book of Revelation. It's in chapter 12. And you get a story that um, the great dragon, and we, we t we're told by name that that dragon is Lucifer or Satan. And it says that he rebels against God. And in his rebellion, it says that he brings one-third of the stars of heaven along with him. Mm -hmm. And if we compare that to the beginning of the book of Revelation, stars represent angels. So a third of the angels that God created, perfect and upright and all that good stuff, 
they've sided with Satan as the sort of the arch uh, rebel, and they've joined this rebellion. And then later on in chapter uh, 12, I think it's verse 7 through to 8, we see a picture that these angels, as they've rebelled against God, there's no longer a place for them in heaven, and so they're cast down to the earth. And so now they become basically agents of evil, as we would describe it. So a demon is really just a – think of a holy angel – that's chosen to use all their strength and might and abilities for uh, rebellion against God and his creation. Billions and trillions of them? Yeah, look, uh, there's no actual number. In Hebrew, the closest we get is a, a thousand, uh, 10,000 times 10,000, 1,000 of thousands, mm. and that's the Hebrew way of saying you just can't count it. Mm. But you pick a number and uh, divide it by three, mm. and one of, those, one of those thirds is what we'd call demons today. Um now, you talked about oppression from demons and then possession. I think many of us are oppressed by demons. That's demons tempting us, causing problems. Yes. Yeah, and I think, I think I, I actually agree. I think pretty much every person that's lived and walked on the planet has been oppressed at times. I think some people have it more intense than others. And, you know, that's, that's part of choices that we're making yeah, as well. Yeah, um, yeah. That can, that can make that more difficult. But... Possession is a, is sort of like the ultimate, and mm. I, I think we should probably dwell on that a little bit because pe- people, I, I, in my journey as a as a pastor, as I'm sure you've had as well, Lloyd, is I've had people go, ah, oh, in in the Western space especially, uh, possession is a is a, a tool of the past to uh, control people and to present this idea that you need to work through um, clergy and have all mm, this sort of mm, stuff. Mm, mm. And really, all it really is is mental health problems because we're so smart now. We've diagnosed it and we've figured it out. It's chemical imbalances. It's yeah. it's um, mental health issues and things like that, trauma or what the case yeah, may be. Yeah. And from, from a biblical perspective, I, I don't think that it's one or the other. I think there's probably a combination of both ends of those spectrums. But there's definitely an aspect um, biblically that uh, um, possession impacts um, both the 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 this physical this physical impact we see in the Bible. Like for example, mm. demon possessed possessed people often try to self harm themselves, yeah. throw themselves into the fire, yeah. throw themselves into the water. We see that physical aspect. We cut, also cut see them, cut themselves um, and all sorts of things. Yeah, cut themselves as yep. well. Yep. Um, we also see uh, mental torment. Mm. Uh, for example, when when Jesus delivered. A demon from the demon possessed man amongst the tombs in the Gadareans. Yeah. The Bible makes the point of saying after he's been um, exercised, that's not a biblical mm. word, but that's the idea that we have. It's where the demon's cast out. The Bible uses the expression in Mark chapter 5 that the man was left in his right mind. Yeah. Beautiful. So that means before that, when he was possessed, he wasn't in his right mind. Yeah. Yeah. His mind wasn't in control. And so yeah. we see physical, we see mental. Um, we also see abnormal behaviors. We also find social isolation. Yeah. Um, like he was off with the tombs by himself. So it doesn't mean if you have these things that automatically you're possessed by a, de- a spirit or a demon or a devil, whatever you want to call it, but these things sort of attract, uh, they follow possession, if that makes sense. There's sort of an evidence of possession. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, is it fair to say, again, question without notice, that there might be more demon possession in our culture, and I'm talking about Western culture, than we realise or recognise, and we're yeah, not think, we're not defined, think, we're not seeing it. Yeah, I think I think there is, like like I said before, I think we've become so postmodern and so amazing with our diagnostic diagnostic tools and things that we've 
been able to rationalize and explain everything that we would typically have looked back as seeing as supernatural go back a hundred years ago yeah. and now we just say oh no it's it's because they have a chemical imbalance it's because um you know they they've got uh, some disorder of some description we've labeled everything and there's no longer a place uh for the spiritual aspect to yeah. be to be labeled is, is and, it uh, no no go on sorry i don't want to interrupt there no no, can, no go ahead um further to this are there, and you've talked a bit about it already, some of the signs of demon possession. Did you want to add to that, or do you think it's just, uh, like you said, throwing yourself into fire, cutting yourself, um, doing some of these crazy things that you see people who are demon-possessed in the Bible doing? Are there other signs? Yeah, look, yeah, look well, I mean, I think they're the big ones. There's, there's the physical, the mental... Um, the emotional, the spiritual, the social—it's—it's it's all the dimensions of hum, humans, right? But, so, possession doesn't necessarily affect every single one of them and every single person. Yeah. But you often find all of those areas being impacted by someone that is possessed. Does a people, does a person who's demon possessed, do they have any mental faculties themselves? Can they think themselves? Can they still make decisions and choices themselves? Or is the demon in con- complete control of their their body and their mind and their actions? Uh, in my my experience with people who have suffered from possession, different differentiating that from oppression, right? I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've met many people who are oppressed, and yeah. that's not possession. But no. on the possession side of it, um, I've seen a sort of a spectrum. Like to answer your question, yep. I've seen people who have like the, there's no one home. Like yeah. when you're talking, there is no one home. Yeah, you're talk- the demon. Only the demons there. Yeah, exactly. All the way through to there's ins and outs, you know, yeah. And in medical, and I'm not I'm not discrediting any of the medical um, tools yeah. and diagnoses yeah. that we have in mental health space, but like typically schizophrenia, we we identify schizophrenia as a person with multiple personalities, right? Yep. That that is often seen in people who are possessed. Yep. Um, it doesn't mean that if you have schizophrenia that you are possessed no because there's real schizophrenia yeah there Uh, is real schizophrenia i mean outside of demon possession yes yes yeah yeah. but like what i mean by schizophrenia from a demon possessed point of perspective or the the sort of the the manifestation that looks like maybe a schizophrenic person is a is is when you're talking to a person and they keep changing who they are yeah like in real time yeah but this is the interesting thing um most of the like i've i've sat down and i've spent time with with legit um uh, schizophrenic people, like, yeah, yeah, and there's no evidence of demon possession. Yeah, there, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I've also sat down with people who are demon possessed, and they show very similar behaviours between yeah. schizophrenic and demon possessed. Yeah, yeah. But the big difference is, and I'm not saying this is this is the Lipton test. So I'm just saying, yeah. in my experience, the big difference is is that the people who are possessed, religion is generally very much a part of the personalities and the conversations, religious themes and things like this, whether okay. it's anti-religious, whether it's it's very religious, uh, whether it's just distortion of religious ideas, whereas a schizophrenic people, a person who is like um, just clinically dis, uh, yeah. you know, mentally ill, it's normally just ranting and raving and just, yeah. you know, I would say schizo to be, you know, not yeah, to yeah, be yeah. respectful. But like, I might be talking about sports, and next thing they're pretending they're a little girl. Next yeah. thing they're pretending they're a, they're a World War II general. Yeah, okay. But when you're dealing with demon possession, like they'll be, I, I've I've talked to a young boy, for example, in Asia, um, and he was he, I was a chaplain at a school, and he was in the school camp, and in one met breath, he's telling me about 
things that he could not have known yeah. in the supernatural realm, right? From from books, you'd have to have read these religious books outside of the Bible. And sure. this got this this twelve year old kid is quoting pages with verbatim, right? Yeah. And then the next one, he's he's cursing Jesus, and he's he's um yeah. So it's very there's more religious aspects to it, got but it. there's there's that switching in and out all the way through to you can talk all you want, and there's no one. The, the physical person's not there. It's it's completely demonic. That's controlling it. How does one become demon possessed? What are the gateways? Uh, do they do anything, or is it bad luck, or what happens? <laughs> so, yeah, look, I'll give you a couple of principles. In the Bible, we have principles. There's no checklist for this stuff, and I, I'd be very, I'd wear, be wary, very wary for our listeners to think that you can go to a ministry or an individual or read a, a book and find a checklist, and if you check all the boxes then you're possessed and if you don't check the boxes then you're okay i think you think be very very careful because the bible doesn't go into that sort of granular detail but what the bible does do is it gives us some really important principles and if we look at these principles and see if they're in our lives or not then we're probably a lot safer than trying to find checklists so mm-hmm. let's have a look at some examples of it the first principle um, i would say to someone wanting to explore this idea is about how does a person become possessed is this one it's it's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, and the Apostle Paul, he writes this, and he's quoting from Jesus' yep. teaching on the Mount and different things. Yep. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, do you not know that who you present yourself to, you're a slave to obey? That person you will be a slave to, whether to sin to death or obedience to righteousness. And so here's the first principle. We will always be a slave, and I know that sounds horrible. Yeah. That term sounds horrible in yeah. our modern English vernacular. Yep. But in, in in the Greek language that Paul's writing in and what Jesus was speaking in on the Sermon on the Mount, it's the idea that you you only really have two options as a as a person uh, on this planet. Mm-hmm. You're either going to be a servant of God or a slave of God, or you'll be a servant or a slave of sin and Satan. That's it. Yeah. There's no in between. Yep. And so the the first thing we need to under, ask ourselves is how does a person become possessed? Who's the slave? Uh, who are you a slave to? Mm-hmm. Is it to Christ? Is mm-hmm. it to God? Mm-hmm. Or is it to sin? Is it to slave? And and sin we 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 use the word sin to describe actions generally speaking, but sin is a is the um it's the property of Satan. Mm-hmm. So if we're a slave to sin, we're a slave to the property and which is basically the behaviors, the addictions, the the tendencies, all these things, right? Yep. So you said before bad luck. Yeah, being born on this planet, you got bad luck to start with because you're predestined. You're not predestined, but you're you're pre you're, you're what's the word predispositioned to predisposed predisposed. That's the word yeah, I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing is ask yourself who who are you making priority in your life as as king? Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other. Yeah, love the other and hate the other. So you got to choose. Yep. So if you haven't made a choice, then it's fair game. Mm. From, from Satan's perspective, yep. from his demonic The moment you make a choice for Jesus, the moment... Is, is it fair to say the moment you make a choice for Jesus, the moment you start walking with Jesus, the moment you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, it is impossible to become demon-possessed. It's not possible. I think I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out on a limb and say that. You cannot become demon-possessed if you are in a born-again Deep walking relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you think that's I, fair I enough? Think, I think to qualify what you're saying, I think if it's if it's the the real deal, the genuine article. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Well, I've, born, met, I've met plenty of Christians you who can, claim that. Yeah, I mean, we can look at what strong. born again yeah. is, but if you are yeah, yeah. born again, is born again. If you, you're either born again or you're not. 
Um, and if you're born again, and what that means is you have had a deep conversion to Jesus Christ. You've come before him and said, I will follow you with all my heart, no matter what the cost, anywhere you take me. I love you. You're my Lord. I'll choose you as my Savior. I will yep. be, can I say this word, obedient slave, going into what you're talking about, slave, to the cause. You've got that sort of relationship, which is a daily relationship with Jesus, where you're talking to him, where he's in your life. Prayer's a part of your life. You're into the Bible every day. You're a, you're a churchgoer. I'm not afraid. I'm not, I'm unapologetic about that. That, that's part of a born again experience. You're a churchgoer. Right. You've got all that going in your life. The devil can't get in because when he comes, there's already someone there. That, that's yep. the greatest protection against I've kind of launched there. Go on to your points, mate. Sorry yeah. about that. No, so that's speaking exactly to what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So the first thing is we have to acknowledge who we're, who we're a servant to. So that's the first thing. Second thing is Jesus makes the, uh, this really interesting teaching, and this is actually in the book um, Return of the Gods that we're just referring yep. to. Yep. And I, I, I hadn't seen it in this light since I, until I read the book. And that was, and about, by the way, I'm not advocating the book is great, amazing truth. It's it's a very interesting read. It's a provocative read. But anyway, here's, yeah, here's look, the point. He's, he's not a bad theologian, actually. He's, no, he's, 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 he's making good points. You just need to know what you believe as you go in. Go on, sorry. Yeah. So he, he quotes um, the, a teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. And uh, in verse 43, Jesus makes a statement. I've, I've, I've preached on this, but I've never mm. seen it in this light. Yeah, it says, yeah. uh, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, so this is after he's been cleaned, right? right? He's been healed. I picked this up in the book. It was amazing. Yeah, it was absolutely fascinating. It says um, he goes through dry places seeking rest. This is the, this is the unclean spirit. Yeah, this is the fallen yeah, angel, yeah, right? Yeah. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he finds it empty, swept and put in order, then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and enters and dwells therein. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. And then Jesus makes a point, so shall it be with this wicked generation. So here's the principle I, I, I see from this verse, and that is, it's one thing to be without possession, mm. so that you're clean, right? Mm. This, this, in the story, Jesus is saying the man is clean. Mm. But if you haven't filled it with something to replace the possession... That's it. Then the possession will come back in. Yep, that's it. And and so that goes to your point you're saying before about being born again and inviting Christ into your life, those sorts of things. You have to be filled with Christ and the Holy Spirit in order to be. Here's the thing. You're either possessed by the Holy Spirit mm. or you're possessed by an unclean spirit. That's an uncomfortable that's thought, mate. It, it is. It is. But it's true. <laughs> Which goes I down to the. Well, if what you're saying is right, there are degrees of possession then. There has to be because there are some people who, as you said, uh, the light's not on. They're gone. Only the yep, demon's yep. there. There are other people who, uh, they, they are. I mean, you can't do some of the things that are happening in this world unless you're possessed by a demon. I mean, well, this, this is the thing. Just because, like, some people think, oh, look, um, I'm not murdering people. I'm not stealing from the, the royal mint. Therefore, I'm nowhere near possessed like those psychotic other people out there, right? Yeah. But says who? What what moral of standard, like what's the standard of morality that you're measuring yourself with to someone else or to God, right? So if if you're in, like, here's, here's a really confronting verse. Yep. First John chapter 3, uh, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, this is John the Beloved saying this. So yep. He's a good guy, right? He loves yeah, us. Yeah, but yeah, he says, yeah. he says, if you if you don't if you don't do righteousness and if you don't love your brother, you are a child of Satan. Yeah, very I mean, strong words. 
Very, very strong words. But, so but that basically means, what, yeah, go on, you tell them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, so what that means is, is that if you don't have love for one another, the way Christ intends us to have, and if, which means you're not, you're not able to keep the character of God, which is his law, then you are an agent of Satan. Yeah. That's basically what he's saying, which means in a form you're possessed. Yeah. Because you're operating. Well, that's on, what I'm saying. The, the, it, it seems there are degrees of possession. Or is it just, uh, well, look, or is it just realized in degrees? Do, yeah, look, do you I, see what I'm saying here? Yeah, yeah. I, I know this is going to create a lot of debate, right? Yeah. But um, I think, I think from my experience working with people and just being a human myself and being on that yeah. journey without Christ to Christ, I look back at my life before Christ, hmm. and I would have said, as a non-Christian, I would have said. I'm perfectly um, in control of my life and my actions and my choices. But as a Christian now looking back at that past life, I would say without uh, causing too much controversy, I'd say I was probably possessed because those things, you're either doing them because you're being directed to by the Holy Spirit or by an unclean spirit or un- unholy spirit. Do you think that's because no as, Do you think that's because as human beings we aren't created to operate on our own? We're created yeah, to be in absolutely. partnership, and that's probably the wrong word, with a supernatural being. And we either have God inside of our hearts and our minds, dwelling inside of us, or if that space is empty, and it's uncomfortable to say it, the demons will move in no matter who you are. And perhaps the problem we've got in this, Robbie, is when we look at demon possession, we, th- we we take it to the nth degree where you've got someone who's totally possessed, the lights are out, strange voices are coming yep. out of them, like you saw with that young fella in, in Asia quoting stuff that yep. he couldn't know. That's how we see demon possession, but perhaps that's not completely what demon possession is. That's 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 where I sit. That's exactly where I sit. That, so it's, that it's it's basically like this. If you look at these four principles, right? One is we're a slave to either the Holy Spirit or an, an unholy spirit, right? That's yep. your two options. Yep. Second option is if you're empty, you're going to be filled with something. Mm-hmm. Either it's the Holy Spirit or it's going to be the return of, of like satanic demonic agencies. Yep. The third principle scripture gives us uh, from Paul once again. And Paul says, if you want to resist the devil... You need to put on the armor of God. Yeah. So if you don't have the armor of God, you aren't resisting any devil. Yeah. Which means the house will be filled. Which means you'll be a slave to not the Holy oh, Spirit, I, I, but to the unholy. I don't think you can stop there. I think you've got to quickly tell us what the armor of God is. We'll come back and look at this. I promise you, listeners, whether Robbie's here or not, I'm going to try and get him here next week. But if he's not, we're going to come back and look at the armor of God because I think that's the key. But if you could just tell us quickly what that is, if, or, or would you rather? So, well, look at it. I think it deserves being unpacked a bit more in detail. But at a high level, it's the Apostle Paul describes these these attributes and characteristics that God gives us in the form of the Holy yeah. Spirit. So there's, there's truth, there's faith, um, there's righteousness, there's the gospel, there's peace. There's these different elements that he Paul uses and he personifies it into armor. You know what and he's so really he says, saying like, again, and we'll look at this next week. We're gonna because I've got some other questions I want to ask you in the time of God. He's actually saying, "Hey." Walk with God. That's yeah, what he's saying. Absolutely. Walk with God, walk with God, and if you walk with God, you're going to be okay. 
Yep. Uh, but we do need to go yep. back and look at that because I want to have a look at just, just a, a couple of other things here before you go. Um, have, One more thing I'll add to this real quick before we move yeah, on. Because we, haven't, is, we so, haven't got number four, have we? Now, you put on Alma regardless number three, and number four is James tells us that you have to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So you've got to resist, you've got to have armor, you've got to leave your house unempty, which means it's filled, and you'll be a slave, make your choice to who you slave. Those four things are the, the safeguards against possession. And if you are experiencing possession, that's the four things that are going to get you free from it. And those four things are all centered in Christ. You're telling us you've seen people that are demon-possessed? Yes, multiple times in various different parts of the world. Uh, here in Australia, Asia, South America, Central America, um, US. Have so you I've, ever helped someone to escape demon possession? Yeah, yes, I've been ev- involved with that. Um, it's not something I would encourage people to go out actively seeking. Um, and every time I've been involved in, in these sorts of processes, it's been with, with other pastoral um, support. It yeah, has, yeah. I've never tried to do one of these things by myself. What and do you I think actually great do? Counsel about if, if, you, if, you, if you meet someone who's deeply and heavily possessed, what do you do? So, in every instance um, I've been involved with, the first thing that we have done as as elders or as as pastors mm. um, working together is we we spend time with that individual and try to try to get them to make it the, to express their desire to be free. Yeah. Uh, and in most cases, that's been that's been able to be done. Yep. There's only been one individual where there's just been no, like you, you just can't talk through to the yeah. person at all. They're just not there. Yeah. Um, but like in between all the ranting and raving and the, yeah. the spewing out stuff and all, like just I've seen everything. In between all that, you hear, "Help me!" Mm. Now, like, do you want Jesus to help you? And it's like, yes. And I'm like, that's it. That's all we need. That's all we mm-hmm. need. So then, it, and it's all about prayer. It's about fasting. It's about claiming scripture. It's about the name of Jesus. Um, look, like I said, this is not some sort of, uh, you know, game you want to start playing around with. Mm. But Jesus specifically calls his followers in Mark chapter 16. He says, the, my followers, these are the things that will follow them. They will have the power to cast out demons. So it's, mm. it's a very real aspect. I think sometimes we um, sensationalize it. Hollywood's done a great job of doing that. And so sometimes mm. people think that their, their ministry is, is, um, you know, deliverance ministry. And I, I would question those, that sort of, that mentality to start with because I don't go looking for anything like this. If it comes my way as a minister I'm of the, the gospel, we'll deal with it, yeah. but we're not going to go looking for no it. No one in their right mind would go looking for it if you've ever confronted a demon. You, you know, I, I'm going to say this um, because I want to wrap this up because, Hunty, have we still got time to do some Ask the Aussie Pasta? Uh, we've got about, probably after this segment, three minutes left for Ask the Aussie Pasta. Uh, it's only 5.06... Unless you want to drop a song. If you want to drop a song, of we course. can... Of okay, we we'll drop, drop a song. song. All right, there's another three. You've got six minutes for Ask Aussie Pastor. But it's only 5.06 and we don't have to finish to 5.27. No, we've got heaps of time. Um, <laughs> the one I thing do I, this to you every time, Lloyd. It's all right. <laughs> we're going to have a song in a minute, then we're going to Ask the Aussie Pastor. We're going to wipe everything else out. Um, I reckon that there's power in the name of Jesus. Every Absolutely. single, Every single case I've been in, and I've been head-to-head with demons up in Papua New Guinea, very confronting stuff. Mm -hmm. Whenever I've been in trouble 
or I've seen someone else in trouble and I bring the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I always use the term Jesus of Nazareth. There can be no doubt who I'm talking about. When you call on his name and he comes in, the demon has to flee. And if you're being afflicted by demons and you can't get to a pastor for help, you just need to call on the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He will come. He will set you free. He will hear you. But it does, and it is a good thing to get help from a good Christian um, Adventist pastor. Now, we're running out of time. Do you Have you got one more thing you want to say here, mate? Because I want to get you back. Are you going to be around next week? You don't know, do you? Uh, I'll be back east. I'll be back east, as they say over so here. I'm going to try and get him, listeners, because I actually want to talk about nations and can demon possession get a grip of entire nations, which I think is really relevant. But have you got one more thing you want to say before we... As a closing remark, yep. you know, if people, there are some people probably listening who go, hey, I'm struggling with this area because I've met them in Australia. They do exist yeah. in Australia, believe yeah, it or yeah. not. Yeah. And uh, if they ask the question, you know, like, I think I'm demon possessed, what can I do? Like you said, Lloyd, I'd say, first of all, get in touch with someone mm. spiritual. Um, Jesus made it very clear that his, his ministers, that's a part of their work. Mm. But the second thing I'd say is Jesus makes a really, really clear statement in Mark chapter 7, verse 7, very famous verse. He says, if you ask yeah. uh, or if you seek, you'll find. If you ask, um, you'll receive. And if you knock, it'll be open to you. Yeah. In the context, he's talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. That's right. So if you if you feel like you're you're having problems with demonic impression mm. oppression or um or or um oppression or possession either way, ask ask for the Holy Spirit yep. because He promised you'll give it, and the Holy Spirit is the solution to all this. Mm. Because if He's filling you, there's no room for anyone else. That's right. And so, and if you ask, then you've you've made your your um your claim of who is Lord in your life. Fabulous. Look, I want to go back there. More. Hunty, let's have a song. Okay. Just to break right. The old rugged cross. What a better place to be than around the cross. For sure. With Jesus if you're going through this. Thank you, Hunty.
Beautiful song, that one, Hunty. We sing that in church all the time, and Love it's it. a song we sing um, mm. that brings us great comfort. It does. And, if, if, if you know, that can be an unsettling conversation. Have we still got Robbie there? Let me see. Hang on. Let me see if I've got Robbie there. Wait a sec. I hope yep, so. I can, we do. we you got guys? Robbie there. Yep. Yeah. Can you put him up for me so I can sure. see him, Hunty? Yep. Got it. Because I've, I've got the... We're running out of time, Robbie, but... As uh, usual. <laughs> I want I, w- I want Hunty to to um, share some of the questions with you from Ask the Aussie Pastor because I like to get another view other than mine on, mate. Okay, this first question, and I can't see Robbie yet. I want to see. Oh, you want to see Robbie? Yes, okay. I want to see him. I've already right. got. Yeah. Okay. All right. This first question has come from a lovely lady. She says, "Hi, I'm an older woman who's a Christian." And I'm having a spiritual battle in my mind. It's causing me elevated blood pressure and anxiety. Mm. I don't want to go to a psychiatrist. Uh, Is an anointing an option? I'm praying, and I know faith is very important. I read my Bible, which I have for a while before this. I've been praying for weeks. I'm trying to come closer to God. Can you suggest something, please? Robbie. Yeah, look, uh, anointing is definitely an, an option. Um, the Bible is very clear that if there's any sick amongst us, not people dying, mm. it's just people sick, and that includes mental, physical, spiritual, mm. um, emotional. So, yeah, absolutely, seek out seek out a pastor, your local church. If you contact the station, we can find a pastor in your mm. area and get them to come visit you. But in terms of the mind, right, so I would, the first thing that came to mind when you read that verse, and I haven't seen these questions, um, sorry, when you read that question, the first verse that came to mind is Philippians 4.8. Uh, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So I would encourage this lady, this listener who's texting in, um, just look at what you're focusing your mind on. Um, is it What are you watching on TV? What are you mm. watching on social media, on the internet? Um, what are you reading? Just you might need to take a bit of a chill pill and put all that stuff aside and just focus on these things that the Scripture tells us to. Uh, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, and see what that doesn't do. And say, you know what, God, you wrote this, I believe it, now you've got to deliver. You know what, Robbie, I've done in times of great anxiety for myself. I spend a bit more time in the Bible, and mm-hmm. I'll go to the areas of the Bible which give me courage. Some of the Psalms, I mean, have you read some of them? Psalm. 27, Psalm 34, um, even Psalm, the, the old famous one, Psalm 23. And the other thing I'll do is, together with prayer, I'll put on some really beautiful spiritual music. And I'm not talking about, you know how Saul, remember the story of David and Saul? Saul would get into depression. Yeah, exactly. David didn't go and play beautiful spiritual music to him and it'd lift him out. Music can help you a lot. Is that a fair comment? Um, yeah, absolutely. But I think it needs to be good music. You don't want rock and roll and heavy driving beats and that sort of thing. You want to have quiet, contemplative, a, a little bit like that song we just listened to there uh, on a hill far away, and it will help to bring some peace to an anxious soul. Um, but I, I like the anointing too. I think it's a great idea. Do you want to say anything else on that question? No, just look, if you want to get in touch with someone, text us in and we'll get you a, a local minister. Yep, so you can text the number, which is uh, the one you texted in the first place. Yes, text our number if you like. Um, and we'll zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. That number again, zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. 
Okay, uh, next one, honey. All right, next question. Uh, why does God kill, and why did he order Hebrews and followers in the Old Testament to kill? Isn't that against his character? Who's that from, That's mate? my mate David, also in WA. Oh, he, this is a question from a guy in WA, mate. Yep. Do you want to have a go hey, at that? David, I'm just down the road from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might send him up to you. <laughs> you want to have a go at that? Yeah, look, it's it's an age-old question that you get... Um, you get all the time, especially when you become a Christian and yeah. people throw out, oh, what, how can you serve a God that killed babies in the Old Testament um, you know, and killed women and children and animals and so on and so on? Look, it, uh, I don't want to belittle uh, death. Death is a horrible thing and anyone um, being executed is a horrible thing as well. But I think the big thing, this is the answer in, in a, from a biblical perspective in the Old Testament, is that you have to understand the context, and you have to understand not just the culture, but the... And I'm not culturizing like, oh, that was okay in those days. It's the culture of what is happening at that time in relation to what God is doing. Let me explain mm. one example. So, you know how um, the children of Israel were in, in slavery for 400 years? Mm. They... That's a bad thing, right? Mm. And these are God's people in yeah. slavery. Yeah. But what's interesting is that before they even went into slavery, God predicted that this would happen. He was talking to Abraham before even Isaac was born. And he said, listen, your descendants will go into to bondage for 400 years. And then that would have been like a bad bit of news, right? But what's even more astounding is the reason why God says that they're going to go into bondage. And he says it's because the, um, the people living in the land that he's going to bring you back to as a promised land, their iniquity hasn't reached a full cup yet, which mm. is the language of they haven't they haven't been as bad as I haven't they haven't reached the the peak of badness yet, and so God is giving who we call the wicked the a, a four hundred year period of probation, Grace. basically to see whether or not they're going to turn back to God mm. or not. Four hundred years mm. now, while God's watching those four hundred years and hoping that they're going to turn back to Him, He has allowed His descendants of His promised seed to Abraham to suffer as as slaves for 400 years because he's trying to save the very people that they're going to come in and, and take their land, right? So when they actually come and take the land and God says, okay, wipe them out, everyone, children, mothers, mm. husbands, animals, the whole deal, it's because they have reached the absolute peak of wickedness. It's not because God goes, oh, look, you guys, I really don't love what you did today. You're all, you're all finished. He gave them 400 years as a, as a people mm. to, to turn away from sin and evilness, but they did the opposite. And so at what point does God become no longer loving when he allows that to continue on when they are hurting those around him that he's caring for? So as the parent, as the just parent, one child here on, on the side is going to be punished before the benefit of the other child on the other side. So it's, yeah, look... There's no, there's no way to say that people, people perished and it's not nice that they perished, but you have to understand the bigger picture from God's perspective. Um, as do you think to it, why he, do you think it just comes, sort of thing. Is, is there an issue of sovereignty here too in the fact that God creates life? God owns life. When God takes life, he's not taking anything that's not his anyway. Does he? Does yeah, he? Look, I think, does I think he? Not, an argument for that. Doesn't he have that sovereignty as the instigator and the author of all life? 
Yes. When Look, God, God is God. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, look at the statements in the Old Testament. He says, even the New Testament, Paul quotes the Old Testament when he says, uh, who, how dare you, the, the pot, yeah. go to the potter, why did you make me like this? Or yeah. the creature to the creator, why did you make me like this? So there is a sovereignty factor, and God can do whatever he wants. If he decides to nuke us all tomorrow, he could, if he, and he'd be totally entitled within his realm. But I think... The one danger, if you if you go down that path too far, is that you remove the 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 interplay between human will and God's sovereignty. And I think there is definitely a, a perfect balance in between all that, biblically speaking. But if you just if you just go, oh well, look, God's sovereign can do whatever He wants. That kind of creates a lot of uncertainty in a lot of the the people who don't understand God's character. And that's how you end up with you know. <laughs> The dark ages and the the, uh, mm. the turn away from God because of the ugliness of God's character. With how dare He send babies to uh, eternally burning hell for what? For not being christened at birth, you know. Mm. So there is sovereignty, absolutely, but there's also actual some reason and logic that God actually put in a scripture for us to go. Oh, okay. So it's not actually as black and white as God just decided mm. to wipe out a whole civilization because He's just mean. So there's actually he, he was working with them as best He could. I think for me. The best answer for this is as I've got to know God myself. And you get to experience his love and his gentleness on you and his patience. I mean, there's been no guy, ever, no man ever created in the history of the earth that God showed more patience to than me, I think. Long suffering. Oh, um, I think I'm a contender for yeah, that one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. I mean, even after I made decision to follow him, there's still been so much patience with me and long suffering. And he gently, you know, he does not condemn me. He doesn't judge me. He gently pulls me out of my sin, shows me new things. He's gen- he's a gentle God. And when you experience the gentleness of God for yourself, uh, the wonder of Jesus and the the peace that he gives you and the it's hard for me to explain it in english words but the overwhelming incredible love that sometimes you might be in worship and it'll just bow you down and you've got tears streaming out of your eyes and it's got nothing to do with sadness or 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 fear this is just you're being overwhelmed by god's love for you when you start to experience that that's the best answer it's in an experience rather than just theology isn't it is is, is, you think that's fair to say yeah, yep, absolutely. And look, yeah. there's probably one of that one other point would raise on this one is that people often point to the Ten Commandments and say, uh, "Thou shalt not kill." And then yeah. God went off and killed, or told people to be killed by yeah. his. Ch- so how is that reconcilable? Right? Yeah. There is an important difference that in Hebrew, the word for kill is not accurate in English. Mm. It's actually should be murder. Mm. So killing and murder in Hebrew are two very different things. Mm. Um, and the Bible makes it very clear that murder is against like the mm-hmm. commandments. And killing is not good either, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. And so when God sends, like, executive killing, mm. that's, that's, not a, a, that's not a breaking of God's own commandment. So there's, there's that aspect to, to think of as well, because I, I often hear that one thrown in as well. Oh, God broke his own commandment because he, you know, he had people killed and you know, the, whatever the case is. I, but I it's always, not the same. I always go back then again, and I know it's uncomfortable, but to the sovereignty of God, you know, if, yeah. you, if you have a look at the definition of murder, it's to take away something that's not yours. So if yes. I were to murder you, I take away your life. It's your life. I never had a right to do it. Yep. When God takes our lives away, and it's uncomfortable, but yep. he's not taking something that's not his. He it's, gave it. He gave it. And that's why, you know, in history, at funerals and that, the Lord who giveth, 
take it. The Lord take it away. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because there's a recognition right through history that God is the sovereign. Look, we could talk a lot longer on that deep subject. Hunty, can we have a bit of music just for 30 seconds? Thanks for joining us to- sure. today, Robbie. Uh, I'm going to try and get him back next week. I don't know whether we will or not. He doesn't know himself, I don't think. But we're going to have a go, Robbie. See how All you right, go. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. A bit of music, Hunty, yep. then we'll end it. Let's go with a bit of um, I Stand Amazed. Yeah. song in all of Christianity that one. Absolutely. Well mine anyhow. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you again Robbie for being with us brother. We've enjoyed it. Yep. And uh, Hunty. Yes mate. God bless you. My name is Lloyd. Are you going to pray? 19 seconds. Yeah we can close the prayer. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. Heavy subjects, really interesting. We know we haven't got to the bottom of it, but I pray that above all else, people will leave this program knowing you love them. You don't judge them. You don't condemn them. This is the age of mercy. We live in that time, and you are calling them, all our listeners, into a deeper walk with you. May they experience the love we just heard in that beautiful song, Through Jesus We Pray. Every single one of us in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman, Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty, I'm a man in black, and we love you. But Jesus, he, he loves, loves you so much more. more. See, See you, next you next time. time. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv.